Welcome to the second episode of The In-Between, the in-between episodes uh, of Murder on Silk Road, where we decided, even though we're posting a case once a week, why not post some other random conversations between those two cases? So we thought, hey, let's all pick whatever we want to talk about this week and just talk about it. So, <laughs> um, my first case was just a couple days ago, and I did the case of Daphne Caruana Galizia. So she was a journalist from Malta, and interesting fact, I just got recommended this uh, article today in my news app, and it was about the 2023 ranking of freedom of press in different countries around the world. Mm -hmm. So have you guys heard of the World Press Freedom Index? Um, no, but it sounds like something that would exist. Can you kind of guess? Yeah, I mean, they kind of rank all the countries based on everything, right? So gender equality or... No, no, this is this is literally just for freedom of press. So yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. So but yeah, there's all the these different freedom indexes, of press yes. version of that. Of right. Typical, so yeah, just for uh, information, what I'm gonna be telling you right now is all from the Reporters Without Borders website. That's rsf.org. Mm-hmm. So right, the freedom. Uh, the World Press Freedom Index, so it compares level of freedom of journalists or media, um, so that's the ability for them to select, produce, and disseminate news uh, in the public interest, independent of like politics, independent of the economy, independent of, I guess, the legal system or legality and then like social interference, mm-hmm. and in the absence uh, of threats to their safety, be that physical or mental. And so this index is created using five indicators. So that's political context, legal framework, economic context, socio-cultural context, and safety. And each score is from zero, which is very bad, to a hundred, which is very good. And since the case I talked about was about a journalist, I thought, hmm, let's look into this because it's related and it sounds very interesting. And journalism is so important, especially in this age we're in of fake news and propaganda and so much extremism in politics and nobody knows what's up or down or anything left and right. So I have for you guys a couple of stats pulled. So in uh, 2023, Malta was uh, ranked 84th out of 180 countries. And the year before that, in 2022, it was ranked the 78th out of 180. So in the last year, it dropped six ranks. And I wanted to kind of give us a couple of comparisons. So since I'm in Germany, um, I also pulled the data for Germany. So where where would you guys say, where would you intuitively rank Germany? Well, I would put it in the top 20, I think. I think so. Just intuitively. Right. And 
before this year, you would have been correct. Okay. <laughs> so it was, uh, Germany was ranked the 16th last mm -hmm. year, but this year it was ranked 21st. So we're no longer in the top uh, 20. Five? So we dropped, yeah, okay. five ranks. And apparently reason for that is currently a rise in violence on journalists. And there's also apparently sort of legislation being drafted that's kind of threatening the protection of journalistic sources, which is not great. So Germany, really? I'm kind Who's of disappointed in you. Do you we know of do any better. examples where um, journalists were attacked or something? I don't, I didn't pull a lot more information because I do have something else that I prepared for today, but this just came my way today. But okay. I know that there's a lot of like demonstrations right now and there's kind of a lot of like kind of riots a lot of unease or unrest kind mm. of happening right now it's there's a lot going on right now i don't even really know mm. we can probably get into that another time but yeah yeah germany has done better in the past so come on germany uh mm. angela you were asking something you had the ranking of like top 10 who who are the top 10 I do. Do you want to take a guess for number one? Probably something Scandinavian. I think so. Like Norway, Norway. Okay. or Denmark. Finland, Iceland. <laughs> so you would be correct. So number one uh, safest country for journalists is Norway with a score mm. of 95.18. Nice. And in the top 10, if I'm seeing this correctly, you're right. It's pretty much ruled by Scandinavian countries. But actually, surprisingly, in uh, second place this year is Ireland, which Ooh. has gone up four ranks. Good for them. Yeah. Good for Ireland. I like Ireland. Is it separated now? Ireland has always been its own country. <laughs> you're thinking about Northern Ireland. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a whole other situation. But um, interesting. Like... I, I just found so many interesting ranks. So I think we can all kind of guess ranked 180 out of 180 countries is North Korea. What's 179 then? Oh my god. Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess? No. 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 Okay. La 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 la. I'm women. I'm in. Yeah, you're, you're in it. I can't say shit. You are in it. Oh, shit. Yeah, China is ranked 179 just because of a lot of propaganda. And just there is not a lot of freedom for journalists <laughs> to, yeah, publish whatever they want. <laughs> I don't know, though. I feel like there are a lot of countries who are equally, you know, they're censoring the internet Yes, and, I but mean, censoring a lot of things. But you gotta well. remember that the indicators, like yes, there. Um, it's also about their safety, though, and there has been a lot of um, mm, that's true. Sort of violence against journalism, journalists in China. I can't hear anything anymore. Yeah, we can't. We can't really talk about this, Julia. I still need to go back to China. I'm, I'm okay, okay. In. I'm stopping now. <laughs> yeah, and where's Japan? I was just gonna ask you where, right, roughly, where do you think Japan is? Mm, maybe in the 60s. You're so good. Yes, Japan is number mm -hmm. 68. 
I feel like surprisingly, Japan surprisingly, feels really? not surprisingly, but like Japan okay. feels very like strict, like Asian Asian strict. If you know what I mean. True, but I think there is a lot less. I mean, I think there is still a lot of sort of um, oversight by the government, but I think there's a lot less um, really regulating what gets published. Mm. I think that there is sort of freedom. I mean, there's not, you don't have a lot of problem that like that you have in other countries, like, for example, like in North Korea with propaganda being published. I think yeah, it's that's not, that not really type. so much a factor in Japan. And I think another reason for its sort of higher rank um, or I guess sort of mid-leveled rank is I, I don't think there's a lot of violence against journalists in Japan. I don't think there's... Yeah, I don't think people really get, you know, persecuted or um, or they don't, they don't disappear I mean, when they I write mean... about something. But um, yeah, it's just like yeah. social rules, I feel like. If you work for a publishing company, then you want to write this, but then your boss is going to say, no, you're not going to write this. I think this. that's probably it's where a lot of like that, that comes from, yes. It's more like, so I said Asian yeah, strict. It's more, yeah, it's, it's just systematic it's, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's sort of. Or do this or don't do this. It's not by the law forbidden or you won't it's get cultural you know, kind physically of. punished. Yeah. yeah, it's just more cultural. So hmm. that was just something that um, came up to me today pretty randomly. And I thought that was kind of interesting, mm. but it's not what I actually prepared for us today. Okay. Yes. So basically, to sum that up, we still have a long way to go. There's, and yes. many countries where we thought we were doing great, like in Germany, um, we got to be careful we don't, you know, fall down and... Yes, so... The ranking But 21 more. is still pretty yeah. high. In co- so in comparison to other sort of continents, uh, Europe is, I think, highest ranked, but even... In Europe, overall, the freedom of press is still only satisfactory. So I think really kudos to Scandinavian countries and other um, European countries that are doing really well, but there's always room for improvement. And Mm. guys, come on, let's stop with the fake news. Let's stop with this fear-mongering. Let's please... (laughs) Let's just... I don't know if that's something you can just stop by... Well telling people to stop i can try you don't know if, if i don't say it i mean let's give let me let me have this lena okay <laughs> go go for it please let's just be nice to people don't hurt people because of something that they're saying because you don't agree with it thank you for coming to my ted talk <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what did you actually prepare for us? Okay, so today I brought with me some, let's call it European legal oddities, or maybe sort of weird European laws. So I Mm -hmm. think everybody's kind of heard of some of those like very dumb laws that some countries still have that are very outdated, but are still part of legislation for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So... I thought, okay, let's let's focus this on Europe since I was doing the European case this week. And I found some mm. interesting things. <laughs> okay, I'm excited for this. All right, so I prepared a um, three separate weird laws for you guys. Okay. 
So number one is that if the sea freezes between Sweden and Denmark, a Danish person can legally hit a Swedish person with a stick <laughs> if they walk to Denmark over the ice. What? <laughs> Do you... We just praised the Scandinavians. And now they come up with something like this. Well, okay. Do you want to take a guess why this is a thing? I mean, I have I have the answer for you, but do you want to just take a wild guess? Does it have to do with Vikings? I wouldn't say Vikings, but you are right that it's a thing of the past. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that would make sense. This law is a remnant from the march across the belts uh, in 1658 so Denmark and Sweden <gasps> there was an ice age there yes wasn't it? yes so yes. Denmark and Sweden um, had been at war and so the march across the belts was a military campaign by the Swedish so at the time like mm. you were saying Lena is that there was a little ice age so that meant very frigid temperatures in Scandinavia so the I mm. guess leading commander of the army or I think was it the king or the emperor I forget what he is but his name is Charles Gustav I think he's the 10th Charles the 10th Charles the 10th Gustav maybe he planned to use mm. um the very cold temperatures uh, to his advantage in order to avoid the Danish navy. So, uh, yeah, they used the frozen over ice to invade Denmark. And, yeah, because of this march across the belts where the Swedish were basically invading Denmark, Danish uh, officials or Danish king or head of let's just say the danish head of state was like yeah so if you guys want to hit a swede that's walking over the ice go for it <laughs> okay go for it. but so if they were at war i'm assuming that you know they would be attacking each other yes it's just funny to think that they still made an extra law that you're allowed to hit them and it's lawful so i it, it sounds like maybe this was ma more for the civilians yeah but apparently it was a thing that's cool <laughs> i thought so too so even now if we get another ice age that's good to know yeah, and in case you need that for the future for mm. whatever reason that was number one that i brought for you guys so the second mm. weird legal oddity that i brought for you guys is that it is, in France, legal to marry a dead person. I mean, that makes sense. Hmm. <laughs> Who came up with this? <laughs> it's actually quite, like, imagine, I don't know, imaginable. You know, Mianguan? But they can't consent. Yes, it, it's a thing it's a in thing China, China, that's true. It's a, like, Asian Okay, what's, what's the situation in China with that? Like let's say, you. That's why people say like don't pick up random red pockets. At least in Taiwan, it's like this. It's like different. Okay. But it's like do not pick up random red pockets. Because sometimes when you pick it, there's a new movie last year that was about this. It's like you pick up and then you're forced to marry a dead person. 
But basically, okay. Wait, so not, this is. I'm not sure. About but okay, it, it seems kind of. It's kind different. No, I mean, it's kind of just like the concept of, um, to have like a proper life, fulfilling life. Marriage is part of that, and if someone died without marrying in the past, people, your family might like make you marry a li- a live person or a dead person to make your life fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. That's where they have the belief where your life, I suppose, kind of continues after death. But if mm. you're not married, then you're in a way suffering. So there's. I think in the countryside where people who have this belief and then one of their, let's say, let's say one of their child passed away without getting married, then they might find someone else who is also dead and single. And then, you know, the families would kind of get them married in the afterlife. Depending in a way. on how okay. rich your family is. They could also, if you're like, that's really very rich, interesting. You could also force like, uh, actually pay someone who's alive. Yeah, you can also do, yeah, exactly. I read that where they can, they actually, so I'm not sure if this is real, but I have this idea where, that I saw somewhere that they would, you know, or someone might die soon, maybe they're sick or something, Shimmy. and then they would get paid a lot of money to marry this dead person. Yeah, and then so they would believe that, or the family would believe, okay, when this person dies, they'll be with my son or daughter or something that's very interesting we're gonna that could be a whole topic yeah i've never i've never actually um, heard about that that's very fascinating it isn't exactly like that in france i think it's kind of Mm. maybe kind of the opposite of that so let me just get into the history of that so this practice is called necrogamy so necro meaning i guess dead or I don't know mm. exactly what the root is and gummy which is the I guess suffix for marriage like polygamy monogamy um so or posthumous marriage so marriage after death is legal in France by article 171 of the French civil code and this article originated in the 1950s when Irene Jodar, Jodar, I don't know, it's J-O-D-A-R-T, I don't, I'm sorry if I don't pronounce that correctly, but Irene contacted the French president at the time and asked him to allow her to marry her fiancé, who had died previously, um, or not too long ago, when a dam broke and killed multiple people. So, the president he consented he allowed her this and so there are a couple of stipulations for this so you need the permission of the head of state so like irene did you need to ask permission basically from uh the president or i guess prime minister of france um and only if you have permission can you do that and they need to basically check i think it's the president uh maybe but yeah they need to also prove that there's a legitimate reason for this you can't just decide you want to do this there has to have been a intention of marriage before the death of the one person so Mm. the 
marriage in this person isn't like you were talking about in China where it's like the two people are dead and they didn't marry when they were alive. So they like uh, after death marry those two people so they're together in the afterlife. But people like two people wanted to get married. One of them dies and the other is like, I still want to be married to you even if I never actually got married to you. So it's often kind of out of sentimentality um, because you really love that person and you want to be married mm -hmm. to them. And it has also been used in order to legitimize children. Mm -hmm. So maybe the, the fiancé was pregnant and they were going to marry, but then the uh, fiancé died and then the wife-to-be or what would have been the wife-to-be uh, gave birth and it is that person's child and they would have been legal but since they died before the marriage technically it's not a legitimate mm. legitimate birth so it's just more for practical reasons basically yes it seems like in china like you're saying like oh you can pay somebody a lot of money but i think here it's it's really it's a lot more regulated and i mean it's literally part of the french civil code so this is very thought out and methodical. Mm. Honestly, I think it's kind of nice where you were so in love with a person and they left you too early and you can still have this bond with them that you wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like as long as it's not, you know, just practice kind of out of control, mm. that it's just in specific circumstances where, you know, they also make sure that's what the person would have mm -hmm. wanted in a way, then... Yeah, What's also sense. very good is um, what I forgot to mention is that the person that marries the deceased cannot then basically claim property of the deceased. So if they had property or money, like they can't then claim that afterwards mm. through marriage since usually like everything then goes to the remaining partner. So it can't be out mm. of like monetary or material reasons which i think is also mm. a good protection mm. of those assets yeah yeah that is yeah. the second law and so the last one i prepared for you guys today um it's how sundays in germany are very serious business <laughs> sundays yes sundays the, yes. the seventh day of the week <laughs> They are to be taken seriously in Germany. Very holy. Yes. <laughs> so, um, according to Article 140 of the German Grundgesetz, or the German Constitution, like in the Bible, Sundays are days of rest. Including this article of the Constitution, there's also something called the Ladenschlussgesetz, or the store-closing law which states that stores are to be closed on Sundays, barring certain exceptions. It's sort of like there's no post on Sundays, if you want to quote Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't get mail, shops are closed for the most part. Like, you can't go shopping except small stores and, like, airports or train stations. Those things are open or things systematically relevant sort of like firefighters or police yeah th those kinds <laughs> of things if they also rested we would have a yeah. problem since it's a day of rest that implies a certain level of quiet or solitude and 
so there's a couple of things that are technically by law not allowed on Sundays so that Mm -hmm. includes for example garden work like for example you can't mow your lawn on Sundays because it's too loud you cannot vacuum on Sundays also again because it's too loud also for example things like yeah yeah also things like no housework that's too loud nope not on Sundays (laughs) then also things like home improvement for example like drilling holes or hammering something also too loud like the other things and then this is kind of my personal favorite no noisy children allowed on Sundays. Mm, perfect. Yeah, so you can report your neighbor's kids if they're too loud. Like, you can report your neighbor That's because their kids are too loud. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Do people actually, you know, report, let's say, vacuuming? Because I feel like that's the most... It's not even that loud. Right, so... And I feel like the houses in Germany are pretty soundproof. It really depends on what kind of building you live in because if you're in a pretty new building that is sort of newer and built by new building standards and it's not so much a problem but if you're living in like an Altbau or like a literal old build uh, translation of Altbau then oh you can hear everything. What's Altbau? Literally old build. So like old like older buildings i would just procrastinate uh, all my cleaning and vacuuming to sunday and all right shit i can't do it it's against the law yeah so also for example so there's public containers in germany where you can throw out your like empty glass bottles and there's like different colors of glass so there's like green brown and um clear and those for example also have basically hours in which you're not allowed to use them so those for example you're not you can't bring like you can't throw out your glass on Sundays either because when you throw those in the container obviously the glass shatters and it's loud oh my god that's so we take our days of rest and our peace and quiet very seriously so what you were saying uh Lena so the thing is technically it is not allowed by law and you can be fined. Mm. I saw something about, in some cases, up to 5,000 euros, which is quite a bit. Um, But this is, like you said, like if your neighbor reports you. If they don't care that much and they don't report you, you've got no problem. If they're like super finicky, super annoying, I don't really want to use it, but if they're very Karen-type people, then it's not looking good for you. So I guess... Mm. I want to conclude this with make friends with your neighbors. Yeah, be nice to your neighbors. (laughs) Do you ever get in trouble, Julia, for being too loud on Sundays? No, and in fact, I have vacuumed on Sundays and I have also thrown out glass on Sundays. Have you not been reported? (laughs) The rebel. I am such a rebel. I've not been reported, no. So, Have you ever reported someone else? um, So not me personally. So... The thing is, our the building I live in, it's a multi-apartment building. So there's quite a few apartments in this building. And it isn't that old. Like, it, you couldn't call it an Altbau, but it's not super new either. I think it was last um, completely renovated in, like, 20-something 
but the actual build is from, I think, maybe like the 60s or 70s. Um, and that means while you can't hear everything, we do get some sounds from our neighbors. I tend to just be able to drown those noises out, just focus on something else, and I don't really pick them up anymore. But especially when it comes to sleep, my roommate is sort of like she notices that stuff and it makes it very difficult for her to fall asleep so especially just after we moved into this apartment um it seemed like our neighbors above us were just very active at night let's say and it really bothered her to a point where she couldn't fall asleep because of the noise they made and it got to a point where she went up there multiple separate times asking them to be quiet and apparently they were like we're not making any noise it's not us what are you talking about and this happened multiple separate times and at one point she called the it's not the police it's the german ordnungsamt which is i guess it's it's sort of a subtype of the police like it's not for crime but it's for like how do you how would you explain the Ordnungsamt? Well, they kind of just if you're breaking order somehow, maybe. Yeah. If you're not being an a good citizen kind but not of. against the law, just kind of people complaining about you. Yeah. Um according to Google, it is regulatory office. Hmm. Is that right? Sounds very German. Yeah, yes. sounds very German. So, yeah, I you kind of encapsulated it. So they do kind of take care of these sort of smaller cases instead of having the police be bothered with it. So she actually mm. called them on our neighbors at one point. And they came to the building, but apparently they actually went to the wrong apartment. And oh. mind you, this was like in the middle of the oh, night. No. This was like, I think, like 1 or 2 a.m., and instead of going to the apartment of the neighbors that were just being super loud, he accidentally woke up this poor old lady and she was like, what's going oh. on? And they were like, we're so sorry, ma'am. Then they came to talk to my roommate and she's like, uh, and told her like, oh yeah, we accidentally went to the wrong apartment. She's like, okay, so go here. This is the way to get, this is the correct apartment. Please go there. And they're like, no, no, we already went to the wrong apartment. We're not going to give it what? a second try. And and, ba- and basically we're like, okay, bye. <laughs> so nothing ever happened. Wow. That's that's awful. And you, uh, they woke up the old lady. Yeah, poor, poor her. <laughs> Future Julia here. In the spirit of the in-between, I cut out roughly seven minutes of heated discussion about the Chinese practice of necrogamy. So if you're interested in this topic and would like to hear more about it, I guess you'll just have to stay tuned to the podcast. But anyway, let's continue. So this just definitely sounds like a very interesting, very curious uh, phenomenon or cultural tradition that we definitely need to look into further in the future. Maybe one of us can do a case regarding this or... Uh, do a uh, in-between regarding this topic, it would definitely be very interesting to debate. So, but this actually concludes our second episode of the in-betweens.
uh, 2.5, if you will. And you can tune in in a couple of days with Angela, who will be presenting to us a Asian case. Yay! I'm very curious to what you will be telling us about. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, then, yeah. See, see you, you next, next time. Episode. Bye bye. See you. Bye. Bye bye.